This planet, these people are precious to me. And I will defend them to my last breath. Invasion of the very small cube. Haven't you seen them? What are they? Where did they come from? And why are they here? I recommended we treat this as a hostile incursion. There are soldiers all over my house. I'm in my pants. You're thinking of stopping, aren't you? You're moving. The traveling is starting to feel like running away. You're running away. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to say, my friend, here we are, almost to the last page. But before we get there, I must say, welcome back, Clarence Brown. Clarence, my friend, how are you? Glad to be on again with you, man. I'm doing great. Good. I'm glad you're doing great, because this last weekend, I'll just go ahead and jump into the news as I'm doing introduction. Our friend Lee gets lost in time because he is still somewhere in the interwebs of Hulanta 2021. So I want to give a big shout out to Lee for representing us on a Doctor Who fourth Doctor panel. So kudos. That was fun. 100%. Yes, he was As great. always. And a big shout out to Alan Seiler, who continues to host some type of Hulanta each and every year. So cool. That was awesome. I love being able to, even though we're getting in the outskirts, I would say, of the pandemic. I won't say we're out of the pandemic yet, but we're on the outskirts, hopefully, of the pandemic. But it is still cool to see virtual events still going on because maybe we couldn't go to Hulanta because I wouldn't have been gone, you know, able to have gone to Hulanta this weekend. So cool kudos to Alan Seiler. Yeah. Yeah. I very much enjoyed the fourth doctor panel that Lee was on. Good to hear all perspective from the panelists. And I also enjoyed the only other panel I've had a chance to go back and watch so far is the felt nerdy uh, panel and, well, not panel, but it was pretty much a performance, uh, a puppet performance. But I loved all of the pop, uh, well, the geek culture jokes throughout. So that was surprising, Jim, for me, because I don't think I've ever paid attention to, to that before. But I really enjoyed it this time. And again, you know, it's on demand. And that's what's cool, because I get, did not get home. I literally got home to watch the fourth doctor, maybe 10 before, you know, I'm sitting down ready to watch it. So I didn't get to see all the things that happened beforehand. And then I had some stuff to do after. So I love the fact that I can now go to Facebook, watch it, and it's there. That is so cool. Yeah, definitely. Just if you want to participate, you know, even after the fact, (laughs) video on demand, go to the Hulana Facebook page and consume all the good content. So speaking of consuming all of the good content, Clarence, if anyone were listening to us for the very first time, what would you tell someone about subscribing and rating us? Oh, funny you should ask, Kyle. (laughs) So you can support this show by subscribing, leaving a review, and of course, telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that Please send that in along with anything else you want us to know to discussing who 
at gmail.com or at Discussing Who on any and all social medias. Speaking of feedback, I did that on purpose, and you did that so well, by the way, because we have feedback in the form of Apple Podcast Review. This comes from Morgan Lee 12, and it was posted just a week ago tomorrow as of this recording. She gives us a five-star review, and she says, as a heading, love hearing these Whovians discuss. And then she goes on to say, this is currently my favorite go-to podcast, and I'm so glad I found these guys. I finished my first run-through of New Who last year, and I was starved for friends to talk about the episodes with. It has been so enjoyable to find and listen to these three guys discuss each episode, and it feels like sitting in on a conversation with fellow fans. Aw, well, thank you so much, Morgan. That is wonderful to hear and glad to have you along for for this ride as we just, you know, talk it out. (laughs) Yes, indeed, because that's what's so cool about this. We've said it before. You know, we don't try to bash anything, even if we don't like something. We try to find the good in it. But we are just three friends who get together and literally, no pun intended, discuss Doctor Who. And that's just the fun part about this. Indeed. So, Clarence, do you have any other news before we get into one of my favorite parts of the entire episode? Far away, man. I have no news. It's time for me to say, if you have not seen The Power of Three, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Power of Three. This is the fourth episode of the 2012-2013 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 22nd of September, 2012. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amelia Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. Summary view, Clarence Brown, what say you? What did you think of this episode? I love the mystery that was presented. Uh, I felt like the revelation of the cubes, what they actually were, was a intriguing story as we sat along as our characters, well, you know, sat along as well to try to figure out what these cubes were all about. So I really enjoyed that mystery. The overarching science fiction plot may have been kind of cookie cutter. But I feel like anyone who is a classic Whovian um, may have enjoyed some of the Easter eggs uh, a lot more than I, I have. So, but I did, I did enjoy this episode overall. I thought it was very interesting, and I guess a good jumping off point for for what we'll obviously obviously see next. So, let me ask you this: If you were to compare this with dinosaurs on a spaceship, which would you say was better? They're very similar in a sense. I feel like they are the the interesting episode for of both of those of these for me is just the fun to be had with Matt Smith being himself and the interaction with all the characters. So again, like I think the plot maybe takes the backseat to just the zaniness and the craziness of Matt Smith. Um the again, like in this episode, I feel like the ultimate enemy 
was kind of of cookie cutter and not really that interesting. And I felt Walter Frey was a lot more interesting in Dinosaur. So, <laughs> yes, I agree. And my comment, I'll go ahead and jump to it. The 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 bad guy looked to me like a combination of if you mashed up the Emperor from Star Wars and Darth Vader from. Return of the Jedi, you know, so Darth Vader without the mask, if you mash them up together, that's what the bad guy looked like. That's very interesting because I have written down Anakin Skywalker, of course, uh, post uh, burning in lava. (laughs) And I have a Hellraiser as my other option. I could see Hellraiser. I could definitely see Hellraiser. So Shakri definitely um, had a very familiar look. Or I'll go even one step further. I would say Tim Shaw without the teeth, almost. <laughs> that might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> well, it's more less of a stretch and more of a segue for me to be able to mention that this was also written by Chris Chibnall. Really? Yes. I need to look these up before we get on. Early no, I'm so glad you didn't because you fell right into where I wanted to go with that. Now knowing that it was written by Chibnall, what do you think? And does that change anything? Just like with dinosaurs, I I don't think it changes my impression of the episode. I thought all the character development or interaction more so in this episode was was fun and interesting. Seeing the doctor, you know, wasting time to try to figure out what this this ultimate mystery is to to be unraveled. I thought all that the way he was played was very interesting. The the interactions between Brian and, and, and Rory and Amy, all great. And I think they were all real well written, which is really interesting to say about Chris Chibnall. It seems like when he's not helming the show, he tends to write these very interesting episodes. And and I don't know. I find it fascinating that he wrote these two. So since our last conversation, I did not have anything to watch. I had finished watching um, Jupiter's Legacy um, this weekend. I watched all of it pretty much the whole series or the volume or whatever you want to call it. So I watched it and I didn't have anything else to watch. So instead of going to BritBox, because I, well, let me backtrack. I did go to BritBox. I was starting on a fourth doctor random story after listening to the Hulanta panel. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to watch some of series 11. So I started with Demons of the Punjab, I, I then watched Kerblam, and I'm halfway through, it will take you away. And I'm not saying I'll, I'm getting a different feel. Maybe the episodes are kind of growing on me a little bit. Interesting. Maybe. Interesting. But, you know, I think part of the reason why those those episodes originally felt so foreign is because so much changed at one time, you know. Uh, and I think we, we keep talking about it, but the score is a huge part of that change that makes it feel so different. I mean, Demon, Demons of the Punjab is one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes, period. So uh, I definitely feel like that first season, there are some real gems in what in what Chibnall did. So um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe like most uh, of our beloved properties, even Trek, when it changes tone, it takes a minute for us to actually uh, get on board, get on board. You know, you know, of course, it, I think everybody's 
um, you know, reservations of the Chibna era are um, valid, but maybe it just hasn't grown us. I don't know. And let me, you know, throw this in, because if you go out and you read anything on social media right now or yesteryear or whenever, but especially right now, if if somebody posts to a Doctor Who discussion group, and Lee has mentioned this pr- exact thing before on this very show, you go to a Doctor Who discussion group and you see somebody post something negative or even post a question or something, and you're going to have people who are just filling it with quote-unquote hater raid for no other reason of let me just get on and troll and say how bad I hate something. And I'm wondering if that just feeds into that overall negativity to some degree. Yeah, it's definitely an echo chamber. I mean, a few people on the internet can definitely (laughs) uh, make something a lot worse than it may be. But correct me if I'm wrong here, Cal. Aren't you part of the Chibnall haters? The hater, the hater aid? (laughs) I'm not saying that. Well, let me just say that I wish that it were just a little bit better. And I'm not sure what better is. I'm just saying that I wish a little bit more that it was, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You can't really put your finger on what the problem or what the thing that makes it feel just a bit off is. But I agree with you. Even the episodes I love, they do feel a bit off and it's kind of hard to to place place your finger on what that that thing is that makes it feel so different. Well, I will say this before we, you know, go back to the episode that we're here for tonight, which is let me say this, which is I'm interested to see what next series brings, series 13 with this new companion dynamic. I wonder if part of what the problem is or was with series 11, series 12 is what I think series five, series six, series seven did not have, which is the chemistry amongst the three. I didn't feel that it gelled as well as it did, you know, even with the three companions plus the doctor, but it really gelled with Rory, Amy, and the 11th Doctor. What do you think? Maybe the father-son father dynamic and police officer dynamic doesn't work as well as a, you know, um, husband-wife dynamic that we see here. Maybe so. And maybe that whole idea of the father-son dynamic and the we don't really get along and, you know, the resentfulness. Maybe you had too much trying to go on at one time. Maybe. Maybe. But I mean, to go back to dinosaurs, though, you have a bunch of characters. They're all written well. You don't feel like anybody gets the short shrift. So I don't know, man. <laughs> it can be done. Well, and maybe it goes back to what you're saying is someone that is a better writer than a showrunner, perhaps. You know, you focus you, you focus better when you're giving, you know, like you give me a task and you tell me, Go write this episode about dinosaurs on a spaceship, and that's my task, and I go do it. You're the one who's got the vision for the overall arch, whereas I'm just writing the singularity as opposed to me having the overall arch, and maybe I can't communicate that well as well as I can a singularity, perhaps. 
That could, that could certainly be it, man. So let's talk. We've talked about Chibnall, and you made a reference to something that was a throwback to classic fans, and I'll take that one up, which is Unit and Kate Stewart. I have often accused Chibnall of trying to X out Unit, but I found on Wikipedia that Unit was added by Chibnall. That was something he wanted included, which I find oddly strange if I am to hold Wikipedia, you know, as correct thoughts about having unit and it's particularly what did you think of Kate? I, I think it I think it worked well. Um Gemma Redgrave, I think is her name, uh Kate, that played Kate Stewart in this episode. It fit well. It fit well. Now I do have some problems. How did they actually contact the doctor via psychic paper? Is that a new invention or is that something that's been around? Because that felt weird to me. No, the psychic paper came along with the ninth doctor. Well, I knew the psychic paper came along, but the contacting him, ah, yeah, through the psychic paper, that that felt off. <laughs> I assume that they know how to do it, considering the fact River was able to do it in the library. So I'm assuming that somebody knows how to do it, and since they have the black archive, they have the knowledge of how to do it. I guess. Good point. I didn't realize it had been done before, so that that makes more sense to me now. But as far as her character in this episode and unit, I thought it all worked well. It didn't feel like it was forced or anything. Uh, the actor portraying Kate, I feel like, did a great job. And of course, we get that that nod by the end of it that the doctor knows who she really is. And I thought all that was was kind of beautiful. Although for me, I didn't have that same connection that that you or Lee may, may have had. What I remember liking about it originally was I loved seeing Unit back again. I loved them being scientific because when we've seen Unit in the Russell T. Davies era, they were more militaristic. And I mean, they were militaristic, you know, even in the classic era, but they were really military, you know, in what we saw during the Russell T. Davies era. But I love the fact that they called her Kate Stewart, and you left the entire audience kind of in limbo until the end where he says, oh, I know who you are. That And she says, well, I dropped the name because I wanted to, you know, stand on my own, not on the laurels of my father. I thought that was cool. When you originally saw this, were you surprised or did you know? Oh, right I, was, I was totally surprised. Yes. Interesting. Yes, I was 100% um, surprised whenever I saw this. And I thought it was a cool, cool surprise because I totally wasn't expecting it. And I love the fact, spoilers, that she comes back. So that's cool. Yes, yes, she does. Yep. So let me ask you a question. Speaking of Kate, Kate mentions Flickr. We see an episode of The Apprentice UK. Even since I just mentioned RTD era, we go back to... 2005, and we see the weakest link referenced. What do you think of using contemporary references in episodes? Do you think that's a good idea? Okay idea? Does it really even matter? Yeah, what do you I, think? I definitely made a note on this. While Flickr is still around, it does feel dated, but they also mentioned YouTube and Twitter, which are still around and very prevalent. The doctor is uh, having fun with his... <laughs> 
with with his Wii nunchuck and he's playing uh, tennis. So that's cool. So I love all the pop culture references of things that are around during that time. Uh, That's one of the reasons I love Stargate so much. But it can feel dated because I think most people don't care about Flickr anymore or most people not even might not even know what it is <laughs> at this point, but it is still around though. So I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I love those, those nods. As I wrote this question, I started thinking, I'm sure we could go back and watch a classic episode of Star Trek or I love Lucy or anything from the sixties, seventies, eighties, that there are references in those that are totally things that you and I would not get simply because we weren't the age that we are in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm trying to think of a situation, but yeah, I'm I'm sure you're right. Well, you know, the fact that you can't think of a situation is probably evidence that it's there because you and I wouldn't know what those are. That's certainly true. Certainly true. So, Kyle, let me, can I ask you a question? Can, oh, absolutely. Can I, can I turn do. the tables? Please, go for it. So, in my notes here for the creepy little girl, cute but creepy, I, I have written down Baby Thanos. Thoughts? I just love the fact of Baby Thanos. I am stuck on that. <laughs> um, why? Okay, so so you called her Baby Thanos. So, let me try to dissect your thinking and not just ask a question back to you. So baby baby Thanos implies killing a subset of the population, which is what they were doing. I still don't understand exactly why they were killing a subset other than they didn't want people to go out to the stars, I I guess. I can understand, let me say this, I can understand why this is not one of Lee's favorite episodes, because if I, if I go solely on the story of the bad guys, I start to feel it fall apart. If I keep on the emotional notes only of what I know is coming, then it glues it together a little bit better. So back to baby Thanos, I just kind of thought she was a, Cute kid, but meh. Yeah, it, it definitely, their first, I guess, test run was for a third of the population. So that's why I'm kind of getting my Thanos reference there. But it certainly feels, I don't know, how many stories can we have about the the, the, the eradication of the human race? <laughs> I felt like, um, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. We, I guess that we go out into the world or into the universe and wreak havoc. So this, this parallel universe entity, the, was it the tally? If I remember correctly, that he was doing something, which was a tally of account, but the, the, the beings was called the Shakri. The Shakri. Okay. And they wanted to eliminate us before we were able to, you know, uh, get our wings and fly, so to speak. Correct. <laughs> this is for first before first contact happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing that um, the Borg tried to do in uh, first contact. So, 
They just stole the plot. I don't know, man. It was interesting. What fascinated me about this as well was the dimension jumping, which I didn't quite understand that. But it made me think of uh, of Rose and OK, they can jump dimensions this easily. I, I thought about that technology being used by, you know, the doctor or or somewhere in the future. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet, but um, I, I found that part kind of intriguing. You know, I found it interesting. Again, I'm analyzing this with my uh, chibnalisms, as we called it the last time when I was listening to a little bit of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship today. And I remembered that we coined chibnalism in that episode. So my chibnalism glasses that I was looking, I was like, another ancient species that we've never heard of. Hmm. I wonder where that comes from. Oh, you know, he kind of does that in in his current iteration of Doctor Who. So that that I thought was interesting. But I don't know. The the, the thing that just kind of felt weird to me is did they ever establish when the people had heart attacks, how long were they quote unquote incapacitated? Did did we get a timeline <laughs> there? Oh funny you should ask, because I have that written down. Of course, again, in in their first attempt to, um, I guess, evaluate what's going on, they incapacitate or give a third of the population a cardiac arrest by shocking them, of course. So I'm looking like, okay, if they're reviving them, I know there's a time window where you can be, you know, your heart not beating, you're not breathing before your brain starts to deteriorate. So I, of course, look that up. So uh, after three minutes, uh, global cerebral ischemia, which I'm probably saying it wrong, blood flow to your brain can lead to progressively worsening brain injury. By nine minutes, severe and irreversible brain damage is likely. After 10, the chances of survival are low. So I went back and tracked the time because it was it was. Oh, you are good. It was freaking me out. It was freaking me out. So in the episode, it was about eight minutes if you are to assume the point at which it happened when the doctor originally sees the box in the room open versus when everybody was shocked back and uh, re- revived was about eight minutes in real time as the story went along. If you're assuming, you know, there was no gaps in, in the cutting or in the editing there. So I guess so, they, they could have been all right after eight minutes. They were right at the edge of brain injury being very, very bad. So yeah, I, and again, I think that's somewhere that the story kind of doesn't hold because I'm picturing someone, you know, you took the time to go look that up. Imagine if I'm a fan and I am a nurse or a doctor or any type of someone in the medical field that does that type of work every day and is looking at it going, these people, you're, wow, okay, there's no, you know what I'm saying? That 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 part of the story just doesn't hold well i was i'm gonna give chibnall some more credit here because you know he did write 42 okay so maybe he took that into consideration as he planned out the final act of this of this uh, episode so i remember a christmas story called the christmas invasion and in that story the sidorak come and they mesmerize a third of the population based on their blood type and they hypnotize 
based on their blood type, all these people to go to the top of buildings, spoilers, to get ready to jump off. And it was like this blood hypnotic suggestion. Same plot line of getting rid of a third of the population. Still weird in the sense of hypnotic blood suggestion, but you don't have this you've given a third of the population heart attacks and then shock them back to life miraculously eight minutes later in the nick of time. I just find the other one, even though they're both fiction, a little bit more believable. I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of like the fact that we have these tiny little cubes that are basically act, acting as scouts for what it wasn't a, a full year yes. that they were actually... You know, just think if you woke up and you saw these things everywhere and people don't know what to do with them. And all of a sudden they awaken, they're activated and they, uh, you know, chaos ensues. I thought that was kind of interesting. And just time in this episode, you know, we talked about the the last act of how time played a, a part there. The year while these cubes are on the earth. And also, um, I love that. Amy and Rory mentioned that it's been 10 years, you know, yes. since they've been traveling with the doctor from the very beginning. I found all of the time references in this episode very interesting. Even when they come back from their little jaunt for their anniversary with the doctor, <laughs> that goes kind of bad. And, you know, the, uh, Brian asks him, like, where, where, where have you guys been? You're in different clothes. And I think they said seven weeks they've been gone. So I loved all the time references sprinkled throughout this episode. Yep. So I've been kind of jumping on this for the things that I did not like. And so let's segue into the things that I personally really, really liked, which was the power of three, which to me was Amy, the doctor and Rory. I just had forgotten how much I liked the three of them as a trio as opposed to other trios that we've seen, even in classic, even in, you know, with the third doctor, I mean, not, excuse me, not the third doctor, but the 13th doctor, as we were referencing a few minutes ago, I just like them as a trio. What did you think of this perspective of the doctor kind of coming into their lives and having that growing pains per se of trying to adjust of living a normal life. What did you think of that? I did love the struggle. I did. I love that they went to the lengths to show us that, you know, Amy's actually had some important thing that she's doing. You know, people are asking her like, where have you been? You keep disappearing. And of course, the nurse Rory has a job and his co-worker is trying to get him. Hey, man, we really need you. You're good. You know, where have you been? You keep disappearing. So we see where there there are people in their lives that really want more of them. And I guess you can even extend that to Brian, their, uh, Rory's father. You know, they're going off and and living a whole nother adventure. But yet they have uh, these these normal lives that they're slowly becoming more connected to. And, and, and um, yeah, even if we get to see the doctor experience some of that normal life <laughs> that he can't sit still, you know, this is just not what he does. 
And I just loved all the dynamics there of 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 Rory and Amy and, and you know, bringing the doctor over to see what they do and what their life is like. I thought all of that was really well done and really interesting. And even though this is not my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes that just kind of stuck with me was checking the voicemails and having X number of voicemails and smelling the milk and realizing it's expired. The, the, the concept of things that we don't even think about as watchers of Doctor Who, of the people whose lives, you know, they leave their lives behind and then they go with the, with the doctor. It's, it's just always assumed that he always picks them up and always takes them back at the exact same moment, which we know that that doesn't always happen. Which, which he ironically does do in this episode when they go off for their anniversary and they return in different clothes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think what was so funny about that scene in particular, I mean, I guess he takes them to 1890 and uh, Amy is looking smashing, by the way, and whatever, and the get up she had on, she looked smashing. And you had Rory, you know, dressed up for the occasion as well. So <laughs> I love that they went on this adventure and it doesn't go as planned. It was almost a comic bookish scene where they're sitting in the snow <laughs> and just disgruntled. But, you know, they're off having this adventure and, and they come back to the party still going on. And it just kind of a, a microcosm of what happens when they're off and away. And, you know, who knows how much time has passed in real time? I'm assuming you have to think it's the time the show's been on it just a few years. But they've aged 10 years before Brian's eyes. You know, we kind of see that scene through what Brian has experienced over the years. Exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you this. I, let, I want to ask a what if question for a moment. So, and I'll answer it too, but I, I want to ask this to you first. So let's think for a minute and let's imagine for both of us, there's no responsibilities that we have outside of ourselves. And you have the opportunity to travel with the doctor. So you're going with the doctor. I'm not even going to ask you which doctor you would choose, but you are with the doctor. Would you ever get tired of traveling? Would you ever give it up? Or would you be like Donna who would say, I want to travel forever? What what would your answer be? Um, interesting. Interesting. I think mine would be sort of like what we've experienced from Amy and Rory in a sense, because I would still want to do normal life stuff. You know, even you even got this from uh, Martha as well. But, you know, the doctor can pop in from time to time. <laughs> I think that's cool. But but yeah, I think I, I think I, I don't know. I'd want to experience everything. If I couldn't be taken back to the exact time I left, I would have to question it. And I don't know if that's been happening with them. But, you know, like you said, they don't come back at the same exact time every time. So I think that would as witnessed by people saying they've been gone, you know, so I definitely see that as being one of my um, one of the barriers for me, actually, actually, you know, going off the doctor. What about you? So if I have to be totally honest, <laughs> I wonder if the doctor would even choose me. And I will tell you why we have said before, especially on discussing comics, but we've said before that I have an affinity for Dr. Doom and one of the things that Dr. Doom always says is, if not Doom, who, you know, who else if not Doom? Meaning, hey, doctor, uh, how do you regenerate? I want to be able to regenerate too. 
I have a feeling he, she would not take me as a companion as no matter how much I would want to be. That was just me sitting here thinking while you were talking and listening to what you were saying. I would wonder if he would even take me. That said, I think if I did get to go, I would, I would probably eventually want to come back. I don't know how long that would be, but I think eventually anyone with a finite lifetime, and maybe that's the key, the doctor is so long lived that, and there's that expectation of, if I get hurt, I'm going to regenerate. I think the danger, no matter how fearless you are, eventually that adrenaline rush that you get, you would get to the point to where it just gets greater and greater and greater. And wow, that just gave me an, a, a new appreciation for a particular companion. And it just happened in real time. So wow, we'll get to that later. But wow. Okay. So all I good guess things, that's my man. answer. All good things. All good things must come to an end is how I yes. see it. Yes. And you know what I said? You know what I mean by whenever I say I came to the appreciation of a companion, right? I'm not quite sure. Okay. Um, the diner. I'll just uh, say. Okay. 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 I get you. Cool. I get you. Awesome. I will say this before we move on. Uh, this was, I've, I found this out or remembered this doing research. This was actually the last thing that was recorded amongst the three of them. And the scene where they are going into the TARDIS was the last scene that they recorded together. So that's Aww. kind of cool. That's sad. <laughs> it is sad. Oh. Wait, are you foreshadowing the next episode? Spoilers. <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, we know they leave in series seven. There's, we're only on the fourth episode, you know, and there's many more episodes. Yeah. Before it, we, you know, go places. We're not on the last page just yet. So can I ask you a question real quick? Go for it. So a cube has six sides unless you count the inside. But wouldn't that be 12 sides if you counted the inside sides? I hated geometry in high school. And I will just say <laughs> that if you are looking for A, B, and C, you have to remember D and E. Well, now I'm even more confused, Cal. <laughs> okay. So A, one of them is, you know, height, width, and length, right? Y y yeah. <laughs> the other two are time and space. So says Susan in oh, the very Lord. first uh, episode. I should have <laughs> known. Should have known. Uh, hey, you opened me up for that. But yes, that, that, that seven totally made no sense to me. But then again, I hated geometry in high school. I would have gotten out of geometry in high school if I could, but I did. I wasn't able to. Anyway, all right. So, do let me ask you, Mister Brown. Any other items? I have come to the end of my list. Any other items that you have before we get into our favorite scene and favorite quote? Just a few things, real quick. I I didn't realize that Karen Gillan was so tall. I may have mentioned this before, but she's she's five eleven. She is like very tall <laughs> and in that last scene where she may be wearing heels but 
well, not the last scene, but the scene where they are, they went back to 1890. She's like taller than everybody in that scene. It's, 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 it's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love that little uh, rendezvous and I love that they were under King Henry Bates bed. I thought that was interesting as well. There was a few digital effects scenes that I want to point out. So when they were coming to the anniversary or they were flashing to the anniversary party or get together, they had June on the grill. Did you see that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering, is that a mistake? It just felt like it felt kind of out of place, but cool at the same time. But well, I, they did do. The, I think there was at one point they showed October in, in front of you. You, if you don't really look at it, you barely missed it. But there was one of those little time jumps that they did that they had like October and then maybe one that was December. I think at one point. Wow! I, but I know I saw October. See, this is the only one that I actually caught. So wow. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Also, I thought the. Um, the digital effects used on the cubes was really well done and interesting. I thought that was like perfect, perfect CG on those cubes. And lastly, I thought the nurse attendants looked like Cubert. You remember Cubert the game back in the day? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, so that that's what I have left. I thought all that stuff was interesting, and you know, good stuff, good stuff. All right. So, favorite. Quote, and you know what, Clarence? I'll let you go first. Favorite quote. What was your favorite quote? Okay, favorite quote here. So here we go. Here we go. Brian's log, day sixty-seven. Cube was quiet all night once again. Cube was quiet all day, as per previously. No movement. No change in measure. End of entry. <laughs> so I love uh, Brian and his assessment, or his his, his very scientific <laughs> assessment of what's going on with the cubes. And I also liked, just since we're mentioning him, I liked the fact that they brought him in at the very end. And it actually makes me wish that they would have brought him in sooner, because I think he added an interesting dynamic to the whole Rory-Amy dynamic. Yes, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Almost Wilf, but not Wilf. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he definitely strikes some of those same tones, 100%. All right, so here are, well, I had an honorable mention, and I will uh, give the honorable mention first. And it's the doctor saying to one of the cubes, is that all you can do, hover? I had a metal dog who could do that. Oh, wink, wink. Love that. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I also will offer up an honorable mention real quick. And again, it's Brian talking to the doctor. What happened to the other people that travel with you, says Brian. Some left me, some got left behind, and some, not many, but some died. Not them, not them, Brian. Never them. Oh. Yeah, that made me sad. <laughs> so this made me sad which is Amy and the doctor talking on, you know, talking along one-on-one and he's talking about them possibly, you know, leaving. And he's talking about, this is only one corner of one galaxy, blah, 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 blah. And she asked him something and he responds, because you were the first, the first face this face saw. 
and you were seared onto my hearts, Amelia Pond. I'm running to you and Rory before you fade from me. Oh, man. Oh, man. I just man. love that. Seared onto my hearts. Yeah. Um, that was your favorite moment? That was my favorite scene and my favorite quote. Okay. Uh, so they are, they're a combo. So the, yes, that is my favorite scene. So what's yours? That was, I had that for my favorite scene, but I have another when the doctor was revived with the, is a defibrillator yes. and he jumps up and he, he's just, you know, doing his usual rant and he's like, welcome back lefty two arts among other things. But I just loved when he, I love that whole scene when he was kind of revived there. I thought it was great fun. And an interesting nod to the defibrillator when he's at first saying, no, 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 don't have, you know, don't do that. When the seventh doctor died on the table because they tried to do heart surgery on him and he regenerated into the eighth doctor, they used a defibrillator to try to bring him back after he had been shot by the gang uh, in the Doctor Who TV movie. So, you're right. Yeah. Awesome. That's an awesome callback. Very cool. All right. So we've given favorite scene and favorite quote. So final rating. Clarence Brown, what do you say? I'm going to rate it a 4.3. I think ultimately mm. I had fun with it. Again, um, I did say, and I really mean the, the, the science fiction aspect of the story is kind of cookie cutter you know villain in space and but i do like the uniqueness of the cubes i thought that was pretty interesting although i think we've seen something similar before wasn't in the martha era we had those those slime things that were everywhere so we've kind of done that before in a sense you know what i'm talking about the which ones now? The, the little the little monsters that were everywhere i can't even remember what they were called oh you're talking about the adipose yeah the adipose yeah yeah so they those are the semi-similar i guess but but I, I you know, I thought the cubes were unique and I really enjoyed that. It, and again, I don't know how Chibnall does it, but he just writes some good character moments in this episode. Uh, some of the best. And I, I really enjoyed that. So for all of those reasons, 4.3. I'm not going to give it quite so high. I I love the emotional moments of it and and I give it for that. And this has nothing to do with Chibnall. But knowing how I have a tendency to go and latch on to emotional moments and like drill them into my head, Laura's using the doctor's own words, usually they are seared on to not my heart, my memory. I didn't sear this episode and... I think Lee has gone down on record as saying he's only watched it once. And I think I may have only watched it maybe twice. 3.5. That's the gut instinct. I'm going to give it 3.5 only for the emotional points. If I were to give it based on the story, I might give it a 1.75. So I'm giving it 3.5 all because of the emotional moments, specifically knowing that that final scene with them getting in the TARDIS goes from three to 3.5. So I know I may be being a little bit harsh. So if anyone listening disagrees with me, please send us feedback. Let me know. Let us know. We Tell have, me. we have Timno to thank for Brian, if nothing else. <laughs> that is true. 3.5.1. 
How about that? <laughs> So this rounds us to the end, which is our conclusion, which Clarence Brown, I need to ask, what have you been watching or where else might you be found on the Internet? Before I pose that answer, I would love and this is a bit of research for us to do. I would love for us to somehow go back and get all our ratings, because when we what season did we start doing our ratings in? Did we start when did we start with New Who? Did we start with New Who, perhaps? Because I would love to see what our ratings are per showrunner. And even broken down Ooh. per direct, per uh, writer, too. That may never happen. But <laughs> that would be a cool statistic to see where we really fall on these different writers and showrunners. That is a very, very interesting idea because... Here's what I think is the trap that we fall into. And one of the things that our friend Jonathan Short specifically, and maybe Jeremy as well on discussing Trek, one or both of them says what I'm about to say. And if you remember which one, please correct me or clarify me. And they say, I'm giving this a blah rating, whatever number that might be only because I gave such and such a number rating and I have to base it off of what I gave that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, certainly, certainly. And and I think it's easy for us to forget, well, we gave this a two, but we gave something that was kind of worse, maybe a 2.5. So I'm, I'm, now you've got me intrigued is what is my point. I've given you homework. That's what I've done. Sorry about that. No, cool. But but good homework. Very good homework. Maybe even an entire episode talking, examining our ratings, to be honest with you. That would be cool. The ratings breakdown episode. Yes. So the final question, not the oldest question in the universe, but the final question of this episode. Oh, I thought it was Doctor Who. Anyway, (laughs) where else might you be found on the Internet or what are you watching? Oh, man. Um, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super lately, so I know people are not going to watch that. But I'll say if you're into Trek, check out the Discussing Trek podcast. Or if you haven't listened to Relativity yet, go to RelativityPodcast.com and check out a, a audio series for your ears and mine by Lee Shockford. Awesome. 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 And I would also recommend going to DiscussingNetwork.com to check out all of the shows that are on our network. And let's see, how do I want to say this? Since Shannon Perry in her last episode of Oz 9 gave me a mental anxiety attack at about 13 minutes into the episode, I'm going to say that if everything goes well, when we go to Manhattan in our next episode, Shannon will be back with us for... The Angels Take Manhattan. So go out, listen to Oz 9, also Relativity. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. <laughs>